Plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story where it takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, comedy and impressions lover. And I'm Fran, super fan of reality TV and rom-coms. And we're from now. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. So we talk in the intro about TV and film stars, but this week's guest came to our screens in probably quite a different way to anyone else that we've spoken to. Yeah, Joe Wicks is already a pretty recognisable face, but I think the pandemic was one of those things where we were all going through it together and he was very much at the forefront of it. Yes, yeah, so P with Joe, his online workouts really hit a global scale. He broke records with the amount of people that were tuning in every morning to get involved with Joe's workouts. Did you do a workout, Fran? Uh, I actually did, you know. Oh. I did a, I did a few. Although, you know me, Tom, don't have the discipline to do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. But so many people did do it. It was extraordinary. And he really has galvanised and inspired millions of people. Uh, and it's not just the pandemic, actually. Over his whole career, really, since starting with The Body Coach and all the books, Lean and 15, he has continued to motivate and inspire people to eat well, sleep well and do a bit of fitness. Yeah, I was really looking forward to speaking to Joe. I follow him on Instagram along with, I think, over 4 million other people. <laughs> and he's the sort of person that really shares his life with you. So as you say, not only his sort of successful businessman side with the app, the books, the online fitness, but also he's a real family man. You know, he's got two young children and he just seems very relatable. So I was excited to unearth his plot twist stories and hear what he's up to next. Yeah, very relatable. And he is an open book, so there's plenty to find out. So let's get to it. Here's Joe Wicks on Plot Twist. I thought perhaps before we properly kick off, I could say, and I, I don't want to be that guy, but Fran did raise it earlier, but just to say there, there's a no-fart policy on Plot Twist. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know that's, that's Fartgate. It's never lived that down, will I? It's with me forever. <laughs> I think the I best thing that. about it was that you could have tried to just push it to one side and be like no 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 but you just embraced it and if anything you like amplified it across all of your social channels I didn't think I'd seen it live but I then saw it all over your Instagram it was hilarious yeah I, well I just had to put my hands up in the end but it was it was I tell you what people needed a laugh at that moment so it really gave yeah. people a giggle and it was like one of the funniest things that it was very accidental but it was quite funny <laughs> in the end yeah, it I, panned out really well. I would love to have seen like the WhatsApp groups, your WhatsApp groups afterwards, you know. <laughs> the, the yeah, people were texting me all day. But I actually like tried to pull it off YouTube, but then like the Daily Mail had already ripped it off, so they had already had the they had the video. So once they had it off, I knew it was out. I thought the cat's out of the bag, I'm just gonna own it. And uh and just like yeah, I went with it and it just made everyone chuckle so much. That's it really thing. did. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing. And like you say, people needed to laugh then, that was important. Yeah. Toilet jokes. Fart jokes are always funny, aren't they? They never grow old. <laughs> never do. How are you, bud? Like, you, I think you've been in LA this year. You've been doing quite a lot. How, how's things? Yeah, I had a little break because obviously there was such a... That, that moment from March 2020 when P with Joe started, I was just on this kind of whirlwind, you know, just mm. filming and recording and podcasts and events. It was such a busy time, so I needed a little break. So I went away for a few months with the kids and, and my wife, Rosie, and it was wonderful just to slow down and 
be present with them and just not focus on work and you know social media and just kind of be really with them and it was a wonderful time and now I'm back but you know back into the into the grind now I've got a lot of things coming because my new book's coming out and I've got a lot of events this year so um yeah I'm getting back into the swing of things now you talked about not being able to go for a couple of years you said you've obviously got a home out in LA was it a different experience going back this time having done pee with Joe did you find that a lot more people recognized you there because you'd been given this more sort of global scale yeah, global. than you had before well, I definitely thought, you know, that there was going to be more of that happening because I obviously a lot of people in the US did do the workouts, not necessarily live, but they were doing them on demand. But I'll be honest with you, I was there for three months and I got recognised by about three people and they were all like Irish or English people that were living out there because there wasn't many tourists there because obviously it was still through the restrictions. You couldn't mm. fly direct to LA. So we went to Mexico mm. for two weeks first. And yeah, it's just it's like a completely different world like my life here now is obviously so different because that elevated me so much you know especially with young children so now if I'm out if I went to you know Thorpe Park or, or Chesney World Adventures like I would be recognized pretty much every like 30 seconds I'd be taking a selfie but in America <laughs> I was walking around Disneyland and, and nobody recognized me. it's really weird. oh ouch sorry I just have to knee the table it's really weird it's like um it's like life before I was famous almost. It's like two alternate worlds where, you know, here obviously I'm recognised, but out there it was like completely different. So it was quite quite a nice contrast just to be with them and and not, you know, not having to sort of be on be on guard and kind of be performing, if you like. Because obviously every time you meet someone, you know, you've, you've got to be, you know, high energy and really smiling, upbeat. And some, you know, sometimes you're not always in the mood for that, especially when, when you're with the kids. It must be quite nice though, isn't it? You can just kind of have that, that escape because like you say in the UK now, you know, one of those phases, particularly because of lockdown, we all went through it. We all saw the workouts, we all did them. And it must be nice to kind of just get away from that and almost, you know, be in that alternate world really. Yeah, I just wanted to like slow down because I'm just always 100 miles an hour, you know, I'm always working, I'm on my phone. But when I was out there, I just really like prioritised my sleep and my training and just being with the kids and it was amazing. We really bonded, like, you know, because when I'm here, obviously, I'm, I'm quite distracted with work and I, I spend time with them, but I had proper quality time with them. So it was a wonderful moment just to be with them and, you know, just give them all my attention. So, yeah, they loved it. We want to talk about sleep and we want to talk about family time, but I thought maybe we could start with the first sort of plot twist question and unravel that. We talk about unexpected moments in our life uh, that can change our own story. Joe Wicks, what for you would be your ultimate plot twist? I think the biggest impact for me putting my childhood you know when I think about my childhood growing up in a, in a home with with basically two parents I now know had mental health issues so my dad from a very young age was a drug addict um you know he was in and out of rehab he's been medicating himself you know with drugs since he was a very young boy he's clean today which is amazing we've got a great relationship and my mum you know she she went through a lot of childhood trauma which manifested in eating disorders and like severe OCD so growing up in that household it was quite difficult as a young boy. It was it was very chaotic and it was quite, um, you know, I was on edge a lot. I didn't know what was going on and it was just, that was just my world. And I think that that experience as, as a young child going through that really has given me a lot of empathy and a lot of, um, a lot of drive to want to help others because, you know, I, I was a boy in a council house. Like, we didn't have nice food we didn't have heating on we, we couldn't have like nice things and so when the lockdown happened that's all I could think about all I could think about was families and children that were going to be struggling and so that experience of through through my childhood has given me this ability to really really like push and help and want to be there for people and that's what got me up every morning through lockdown so I, I do think that our childhood can you know childhood trauma can really 
can hold you back and paralyze you and really be a mm. negative thing. But I turned it into a positive. I, I channeled all my energy and, and, and the love I've got for fitness and exercise and helping people. And therefore, it's been a driving force for me. It's been a real pivotal moment where I've, I've tapped into something that I love doing. And then I just love sharing it with other people. And that's really my, my true energy source is to keep pushing forward to help others. And as long as I focus on that, everything grows and everything really, really happens in a nice um, organic way. You've spoken there about your childhood and, and you've spoken before about how you obviously at the moment like advocate really healthy eating, but your own childhood, that wasn't necessarily the case. At what point did you turn to fitness and realise that that was a passion of yours? Well, I've just kind of uncovered this really from a documentary. I've just filmed a documentary for BBC One. Like it's about, you know, facing my childhood and sort of going back into my childhood and, and investigating like parental mental health and how that affected me. And what I realised is from a very young age, even from sort of five or six years old, I remember feeling, feeling upset and anxious and, and scared and I would do exercise and I would feel better. And so I connected movement with my mood and how I felt at a really young age. So PE, you know, after school clubs, I would, I would run everywhere. You know, I, let, I was releasing like tension and stress and, 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 and fear and anger from my body. Um, and I carried that through school. And then when I could, as soon as I got a job, you know, the first thing I did I wasn't like buying trainers and, you know, going out, spending money on, on, on like, you know, clothes. I went and joined a gym. So at 16, I joined Holmes Place in Epsom, which was a gym. <laughs> and I just went every day. I don't know what it was. No one was telling me to go. But every single day after school, I would go to the gym for two hours. I didn't know what I was doing, but I would exercise. I'd have a sauna. I'd swim. I'd move my body. So for me, it was like that was my therapy because walking back into a home where you didn't know what you're walking into, it was like stressful and it was just hard to go into. So when I exercised, I, I just, my mind was clear and I walked back into the house and I was a different person and I was more, I could tolerate things more. And I think even now as an adult, like if I'm stressed or anxious, sometimes I turn to food and I have a little blowout, but most of the time I turn to exercise and it really, really helps me become a better person. I, I just think my relationships improve and so for me, it wasn't about fit. It wasn't about sport. It was more about just the movement and actually like creating energy and, and like getting strong and pushing myself physically because then I could overcome the stresses externally what were happening in my life. It's quite remarkable that the, the young age like that, you, you would make that link between movement mm. and almost obviously it brings out endorphins and cha can change your mood. But I suppose if, when you are five, six, seven, you probably aren't, you're not thinking like that. You're thinking, oh, I love to kick a ball, but then you know, you go back inside and it's back to that trauma again, potentially. I just think I was so hyperactive. You know, my diet was so, my diet was shocking as well. So if you think about the diet in, you know, the like late 80s, early 90s, it was like, for me anyway, it was like frozen meals. It was, you know, microwave dinners. It was, um, Sunny you know, crisp, crispy pancakes, you know, um, <laughs> smiley faces, chicken nuggets, frozen pies. And then we'd have chocolate, ice gems, wagon wheels. It was just constant sugar and sunny delight. That's just what we lived on. So that really, it would have 100% affected my energy. And I was so hyperactive and very distracted. I couldn't focus on anything. But when it came to sport and fitness and PE, that was the one teacher that got me that could, could channel it and like could deal with me. Like I couldn't, I just annoyed every other teacher because I was so disruptive and I was so distracted. So I couldn't, I couldn't focus. So I thought, well, I'll make everybody laugh and I'll, I'll, I'll irritate everyone else and disrupt them. And it wasn't the right thing to do, but it was just because I was trying to get attention. I was trying to 
show that I couldn't I couldn't learn like that. I couldn't sit and just my brain wouldn't process numbers and science and all these th- all these things. But if you put me in like design technology, like cooking, um, making a little toy box, or, you know, building things in my hands, that that was really positive and channeled channeled my energy. But then when I got out on the football pitch or was playing tennis or whatever with the, with the other kids. I was just like, I shined because I loved it. I loved it so much. And that's why I really had the ambition to go on to become a PE teacher because I thought I respected my teacher and I, I loved my PE teacher and I thought they were a really positive role model to me. So that was really kind of where my, my head was like, I'm going to go to uni and become a PE teacher. And, and that is what I went to do. But obviously I, I changed and went into personal training, but full circle, there I was, P with Joe, doing a workout for <laughs> millions of people. So I, it's it's so weird how I truly was um, destined to do that to like encourage and motivate other people through fitness. It was meant to be definitely. Just touching down the documentary, you talked about people having childhood trauma, and like you say, people can let it hold them back, or they can use it and and look at what they learned from that and take it forward. What was the process like with the documentary, though? Really taking yourself back there because a lot of people look at what they've learned and then, like you say, positively look forward. But actually sort of reliving that and letting yourself re-experiencing that must have been quite difficult. Oh, it was brutal, yeah. It was really um, it was really tough. And I went into it, like you said, I'm a positive person. I really focus on today. I don't look back with anger and resentment. Like, I am who I am because of my childhood, because my mum and dad raised me a certain way and I'm I'm a good husband and I'm a good um, father. And I, I, I think I thought it was going to be really easy. Like, just, oh, quick chat with my mum. What was I like as a kid, mum? You know, what were you like? And then and, and same with my dad. And I was I was finding out things on on the documentary, like the interviews, like when I chat with them that I just didn't remember. Like my mum went to rehab for five months when I was ten years old. Like I don't remember that because I blocked that out. I blocked out that she that she went, you know, because she was really struggling with her eating disorders and her OCD and she she had to get helped and she had to leave me and my brother Nicky and my little brother George when he was like not even one years old. Like and I know how hard that must have been. So I was learning things on camera, just emotional. I was, you know, I was in tears and I was so drained. I'd, I'd only film for like three hours a day, but then I'd go home and I was lit. I felt like I'd literally been smashed in a marathon because I was so physically drained. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to mm-hmm. talk to Rosie about it. You know, I didn't want to talk to anyone. And it was a really tough filming because it was intense. But now it's done and I've looked at the edit. I, I think it's a really honest, open account of like what mental health can do to your family and how it can actually be a positive thing you know you can get you can work through it together so the whole documentary is around parental mental health and how we can bring young children into the conversation sooner because I I didn't know what was going on but I heard everything I felt I felt and Mm. I knew something wasn't right but I thought it's my fault I thought that my dad you know was using drugs and that we weren't enough and it was was it my fault that he relapsed was it my was it my mum's fault and so it's a really hopefully going to be an uplifting um, account and quite a positive piece of content that's going to hopefully inspire other people but it was really really tough to film it it must be really lovely that I suppose also now that your parents, you say your, your, your dad's in a good place, your relationship's in a really good place and with, with your mum as well. That's that's really uplifting. And for other families to see that who may have gone through similar experiences, that is something in itself. But just going back to that vulnerability piece, I think particularly for men as well, to actually showcase that, I think that's really important because I, I, to me, that's a strength in itself. I think so. Like, look, I'll be honest with you. I used to kind of hold back and be nervous and I was so worried that I was going to get emotional like if I've done I did talks in the early days where I did like you know a book signing and I I'd get emotional because someone say how is your mum someone said to me is your mum proud of you she must be so proud and I just had this feeling of overwhelming like I felt so happy and proud that and I was thinking what she was how she feels about what I've achieved and I you know I cried in front of like 200 people and I was I was embarrassed and ashamed of that but now 
Like, I just don't feel like that. I could cry on Instagram Live. I could cry on national TV. And, and I realised that actually, no, that is my superpower because men, especially young men, like, it's almost like you hit teenage years and you never cry again and you hold it in, right? But mm-hmm. crying's an amazing release of energy. It's an amazing way to, you know, let go of positive and negative feelings. And I, you know, I, I did a... The other day I met all of my new... Um, so we've hired a lot of engineers, like tech, to, to help build the app that I've got. And there was like 30 people in the room that I haven't met and I'm sitting on stage with my brother, Nicky, who's the CEO. And like a, fl- a photo flashed up of me and Nicky when we were kids, like five-year-olds. And I was just overwhelmed with pride that we were there. We're on this journey and we've like got this company that's helping hundreds of thousands of people. And we're hiring all these amazing people. And I felt proud and I cried in front of all these people. And every fund has come up to me at the end and said, it's a, this, is the, this is the most amazing like just kickoff to a, to a company culture that shows that, you know, you are sensitive and we can come to you when we need help or when we're down and it's going to be, you know, it comes from the top, right? So that people see me and we both, me and Nikki were both, were both crying as the CEO and the founder, like, but I don't look, I don't think, you know what, this is so embarrassing what you do. And I think that, like I said, is showing vulnerability is, is the most powerful thing you can do, especially as a man. Mm. I think, you know, it's, crying's amazing. When I watch a film and I cry, I feel good afterwards. When I, if I, if something emotional gets to me, like it is, it's like, it's almost like you release the energy and you sort of feel more, you, you feel happier for it and you feel clearer. What was the last film that made you cry? Oh, the last one that made me cry. Hang on, I remember, I know this because I was watching it the other day. Or do you have a go-to film that you're like, I need a bit of a release, <laughs> I'm going to get this on? Seven Pounds with Will Smith, that gets me good. That really does. It's completely For me, it's the opening now. scene of Up. You know, the montage. <laughs> oh, just the first three minutes, bam, and I'm gone. Oh, I cry all the time at like Pixar. I can cry at Encanto. I cry at um, Toy Story. I remember crying at Toy Story 3 when they were going in, down the oh. pavé about towards the fire. I was like, I was in bits at the cinema. I, was like, I can't believe Woody and Buzz are going to get melted in this fire. But no, I, I can't think what the last film was, but it might come to me in a bit. I'll, I'll try and think about it. I just want to go back to where you talked about you and your brother and sort of the, the platform that you've built and the, the millions of people that you've reached. And strike, like casting our mind back to during lockdown, like we say, that P with Joe was so pivotal for people. Like they relied on that each morning to get them up, get them out, get them moving. With that, there must come a certain pressure like the bigger the platform gets and the more people that you reach and you being the face of that brand is that a lot of pressure on you being held like sort of the national hero of of the pandemic well when I started those workouts you know I had no idea so many people would take part and it would go on for so long and it would mean so much to so many people because I just I could never have predicted that I don't think anyone could have but it's never a, a pressure in my head it's more of a responsibility and an opportunity I think that I have to connect and I, when I do these live events so I did a peer with Joe tour around the UK and there was you know three-year-old toddlers there exercising with their mum in a little <laughs> P with Joe t-shirt and there was 70-year-old grandmas and grandparents like exercising and I, and, I, and I looked out and I thought it's so rare to be in a position where you as, a, as an individual and as a brand can talk to so many people so I see it as such an amazing chance to continue the work you know can I continue the legacy of P with Joe. I don't want it just to end that, you know, people did it for that time and then they they slip into their old ways and they, they, they fall out of love of exercise. I, I want to continue to use my channel. So, you know, my app obviously is one thing and cookbooks and my YouTube channel to keep sharing content that's going to really help people on social media too. Like I'm always thinking, can I inspire someone today? Can I give someone an opportunity to feel good and to change their habits and do something positive for themselves? So it's definitely an amazing, unique opportunity that doesn't come around very often, you know, like, I know that I'm in a position where this won't happen again. This is one lifetime and I've got this energy. So just use as much of it as I can, 
yeah, it, it's a positive thing. I never feel like overwhelmed and stressed by it. I just think I wish I could do more and I actually feel like there's not enough of me. There's not enough time for me to do DMs. There's not enough, I'm not I'm not replicable or scalable. So my biggest issue is I do it. I do a whole day of doing DMs and replying to people. I go, I've still missed a hundred. I, I wish I could have done them all. So it's this feeling mm. of I can't actually reach everyone. That's what's harder for me. Not, not oh, it's too much. I want to stop. I was going to say, it feels like you're very personal with your followers. Like you share those stories, you reply to people. It definitely feels like you're kind of in amongst your audience rather than just serving content to them, which I think is great. Yeah. And that's what I love to do. I, and I, you know, I, I, like I said, it's just an impactful thing to send a voice note to someone who's really struggling, who's really down. They just want to they just want to be heard and I just li- I'm just good at listening you know I listen to them and I say you know what can you do differently what are you waiting for can we you know maybe why don't you go for a 10 minute walk and message me afterwards and tell me how you feel and little things like that I get a real buzz when I see someone do that it's the same with a recipe if I if I share a video on Instagram that does really well and I, and I see everyone like you know going shopping getting the ingredients and then that evening they're texting they're tweeting me or, or like posting pictures of this, the meal I get a buzz off that you know and that's always been my drive really from the very beginning I've just loved seeing that when I share something it has an instant impact on people and that's really um, what I love about social media. But going back to when you were 16 and you were starting on your fitness journey obviously social media wasn't it isn't what it is today and you very much your career is kind of gone with with the growth of social media but who would have been the equivalent to you in terms of people are messaging you as a sort of a hero as an inspiration at 16 18 when you're starting out in fitness who who would have been and it may not have necessarily been a fitness individual but who who might have been that sort of person you would have looked up to I don't know when I when I think back to the one person that really inspired me it was it was it will only be and always be Jamie Oliver's school dinners because I remember watching that thinking Here's a guy that, you know, has restaurants and is a chef and could just sell books from his living room. And he's out in schools traveling the UK, like trying to improve the standard of food. And I, I've always thought back to that. Like that's for me, my equivalent, you know, I want to achieve in fitness. I want people to feel good with, you know, their mind and body through food and through exercise. And I think he is, and I love that, you know, we've become friends now. Like Someone I used to watch coming home from school at 16 <laughs> as the naked chef, like we, I can now text that's him nuts. and get some advice. And, you know, he's, he's helped me with really some really- surreal. <laughs> Yeah, it's really surreal. Like, it, you know, I dreamed of, like, I loved Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares and Hell's Kitchen. I used to watch it and laugh and I loved it. And, you know, I met him at Soccer Aid and now I can text him and he came on my podcast. And we're, you know, you get to meet, you're, you really, that's the wonderful thing sometimes. Like, I don't have a celebrity life, so I'm not at red carpet events, but you do meet wonderful people who you can just lean on for a bit of mentorship or, you know, ask them some questions about things. Because Gordon's been through that, you know, and Jamie has as well. And so, yeah, I do, I do love that I've made friends with some really cool people along the way. Well, on the topic of people, our next plot twist question is about a person. So has there been sort of a standout person in your life who has influenced you in an unexpected way or that people might be surprised to know has influenced you? So I have like a, I had like a mentor when I first started as a personal trainer, I reached out to um, like different companies in Richmond because I was like, look, I'm, I'm local to Richmond. I'd love to um, you know, launch my personal training business and I'm, I'm willing to give you like free training just to get to know you. And you can tell, you know, the people that you work with maybe about me. And so they were like, I, I emailed like the bosses of companies, you know, eBay, um, not on the high street, like in some smaller companies. And I got an email back from this woman called Bev James. And she, she just like, she never wanted anything from me, but she would always give me advice. She'd always, 
it's like a bit like life coaching. So she'd set me challenges and set me goals and I would just go away and I'd do it and I'd come back and I'd be like, I've done it. And she loved that about me and she saw something in me. She was the first one to say to me, Joe, you're going to be, because it was always um, about the body coach and sort of, I called it Team Lean. This is in 2013. It was like a team of, I called it Team Lean because it was like a hashtag on Twitter. And I was hiding behind this, but she says, Joe, one day, you know, it's going to be Joe Wicks and you are going to have a book and you're going to be on TV. And I said, why would anybody want, you know, a book? Why would, why would anyone want to watch me on TV? And she kind of planted a seed in my head that I could be more and I could do more. And then, you know, she eventually um, became my manager and, you know, helped with my book deals and all my speaking events oh, and wow. my DVD deals and stuff. So that is one person that, you know, because I didn't have people around me saying like, you know, you're going to go on to write books and you're going to have a TV show. It's just like a positive, a real positive person in my life that gave me a bit of self-belief. You're talking about her planting the seed and a lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast, we talk about manifestation and kind of people like visualizing that goal and then working towards it. Are you a believer in manifesting or do you think it's more like you just set yourself a goal and it's sort of hard work and determination will get you there? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I wrote like, I, I listened to The Secret like years ago and I was like, oh, it's a bit weird. Like, I don't believe in all that. It's a bit wishy-washy, you know, that if you manifest and you write something down, you're going to achieve that. But I did it. I wrote some stuff down on like a, I made like a little spider diagram on a piece of paper. And I, and this was like early on in the early days. And I wrote, you know, like I'd love to have a, a magazine cover. I'd love to have a, a fitness plan that's helping hundreds of people. And I'd love to have a YouTube, like the biggest YouTube channel. And I'd love to, um, you know, like have a cookbook. And it was just all these little things. And everything I wrote down happened within about 18 months. Like it really did. It really, I haven't done it since, but I remember just thinking these are big goals that are kind of moonshot things. And I think it did have an effect because I believe, well, if I keep doing YouTube and keep sharing these videos, maybe I will get a DVD or maybe I will get on a magazine cover. But it was just like an amazing thing to look back on and see that everything I really wanted to do actually happened. Um, because you have to apply that, you know, you can't just manifest it through luck and chance, you know, mm. you've got to work hard. Like I, I put in so much work with YouTube, you know, even with my cookbooks, with Instagram, you know, I was sharing re- hundreds and hundreds of recipes before that like, any publisher contacted me. Mm. But again, it was like just planting that seed that, you know, maybe if you, if you believe in something and you really work towards it, you know, what's going to stop you? No one's going to stop you. Only you, only you can slow down. Obviously a lot of people probably have big ambitions and want to break into the fitness industry and have those goals. What do you think it was about you that gave you that edge to be the person that did that? I always find this one hard to answer because I can't really like pinpoint what it is that made me kind of stand out amongst the hundreds of thousands of trainers. What what was it that cut through? But I really think it comes down to just my true passion and I just love it. Like I love it so much that it was never work. You know, when I was sharing Instagram videos and doing that Twitter account, this is long before you know, influencers were getting book deals. I just loved it. I didn't think about, I'm going to make money from this. I just, I just had this drive to sort of share more and, and help more people. I had that desire, I had the energy in me, which is, which is something that people are drawn to. They want to be around people that genuinely want to help others. So that, that's my magic source. I think that I care about people a lot. We, we were saying before, uh, cause you've got this, you've got this energy about you and we're like, the man's like a Duracell bunny. He just seems to have this endless energy, just keeps, keeps going. Um, how much of that in, in honesty is sort of what we see is with you as the brand versus is that, is that you behind the scenes as well? I mean, obviously you've taken those times to recharge, but are you often just that constant source of energy and around your family as well? 
I mean, physically, I try and stay energized through like my decisions and my habits. So, you know, I went to bed last night. I was asleep by 10 o'clock. I got up at 6 a.m. So I had eight hours sleep. And that, that is already head, that's setting me up for a really good day because if I'm sleep deprived and I'm getting off five, six hours sleep, I'm just not the same. So I have that, I have that ability to stay disciplined with things. And then, you know, this morning I woke up, I had a quick, I had a cold shower, which I hate, but I also love because it really energizes me. Then I did a workout for half an hour. So I think those habits give me like the physical energy to push on. Mm-hmm. Um, but emotionally, I do have days where I feel flat. I can wake up in this beautiful house and I'm like, you know, I don't know why, but I have this little cloud over my head. Like I feel like discontent or I'm not feeling joyful. And I, I have to think, what, what is that? And sometimes I don't know. And sometimes all I have to do is go for a walk with the kids or go and play on the scooters or, you know, hang out with Indy and Rosie and Marley. And I suddenly just feel more present and focused and happier. So I think there's this illusion that if you're exercising, you're always really, really joyful and happy and buzzing. But mm. there are days where it, it, it you feel all right, you feel good, but you're not always going to be super positive and optimistic. And I show the highs and the lows. Um, but like anyone, I have, I have motivational ups and downs. I have moments where I don't want to be on social media. I just want to stop and just have a week off. Um, and I do do that when I need to. Balance is key. You talk there about sort of sharing a lot of your life on social media and having that transparency with the audience. And you obviously, having had Indy and Marley, you've shared your weaning journey and you've brought them into kind of the social media and, and the spotlight also. I was laughing with Tom. I feel like they're probably as recognisable as you are now if they're walking down the street. How do you feel about sort of them growing up in that spotlight? Is that something that you're conscious of? It's something I'm conscious of and I kind of, I battle with myself like every few months where I'm like, why do they need to be on there? And, you know, is it right for them? They haven't got a, they haven't got a choice. And, you know, I kind of toy with the idea of just like, just don't have them on there. But they're such a big part of my life. They're so integral to my happiness and my day. And, I, you know, I think we live in a world where even if you don't have thousands of followers or millions of people following you, we just like to share, you know, we share things on Facebook and Instagram. And so you can go down the route of, you know, just never showing them. But I think once I made the decision that, they were going to be on social media in my books and you know they're part of that journey I just hope that when they're older they don't see that as a negative thing and they see that you know we did all these wonderful things we got these memories and you know like doing photo shoots and fun stuff together but yeah I, I don't know it's going to be just we live in a social media world now so I'm hoping that I can educate them and navigate through it as they get become teenagers but yeah it is tough because you know they, they're not they don't have a choice do they and so I'm making that decision for them which I just hope doesn't backfire in the future you know I really don't know the answer to that at the moment I'm, I'm sure it won't well, one thing I want to ask you Joe was uh we've mentioned that the fitness industry is a very competitive industry there's a lot of personal trainers and a lot of people I suppose partly inspired by you and also coming perhaps later on going on to YouTube and doing their own sort of fitness regimes and stuff and if you go into a gym there's always that guy who likes to give you a bit of advice or likes to pin, pinpoint something when you go and do these sort of real events you might go and do a run on Bournemouth Beach for example like, do you get people like that trying to then chip in and give you a bit of, oh, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that? Because those those guys are out there. No, you know, when I do those events, like, I love it because I kind of announce it the night before. Like, I don't know who's going to turn up. And sometimes it's, you know, a mum literally pushing her baby in the buggy with his pyjamas on. <laughs> and sometimes it's young trainers who are inspired and you know, had a good chat. And I try and, you know, answer and give as much advice as I can. But when I do these events, I used to have this fear that, if I did a book signing or a Q&A or some event that someone in the audience was trying to catch me out because I wasn't smart enough or I was going to say the wrong thing or I wasn't going to have the answer. But I've realized now that everyone that comes to see you, 
they're your they're your followers and they're your fans they support you and they want you to do well so you know I don't have um people trying to catch me out and say you know you're wrong your advice is wrong or this is the right way people are just there to kind of say look well you know fair play mate well done for what you've done and I, I really do love those live events. So now we're coming out of the, you know, the lockdowns and stuff and, and, and COVID seems to kind of um, relaxed a little bit. I think I just want to get back on the road, visit schools, do those live events where I do the runs and stuff. And I'm going to, uh, I'm doing a book tour for the new book. So the Feel Good Food book comes out on the 17th of March and I'm doing a UK tour. And I've committed that every single morning I wake up, wherever I am, 6am, I'm going to do a run. So I'll do a 5k and just see who turns up. Well, whereabouts are you heading? Can you give us any insight? Oh, it's a busy man. It's going to be really intense. Like I'm doing two, I'm doing two visits a day for for like a week. So I'm going to Blue Water, Norwich, Kingston, my old hometown, Yeovil, <laughs> Milton Keynes, Birmingham, Sheffield, Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, and Edinburgh. So big, big tour. And, um, <laughs> big, yeah. lot, I was going to say, I'm tired to a day. Yeah. Someone said, "Have you got a helicopter?" I said. No, I was like, I'm just going to be in a car. I like, just bang in the car, sleep on the way up there to the next event. But I, I love it. It's very energizing. But I'm, I'm ex- by the end of it, I'm exhausted. I'm proper like run down. <laughs> need to have a nap. Need to have a week off. I was going to say, what can you tell us about the book? What's uh... it's called? Feel good food. So this book's all about you know food and recipes that are going to give you energy that you and the kids are going to love to cook together. And we often think about you know exercise and sleep for our mood. Like we know we need sleep. We know we need exercise to feel good but not a lot of people know the link between like gut health and our mood mm. and how it changes the way we feel. Like when I have a blowout and I have a, you know, a binge and I <laughs> have like takeaway and like, you know, Ben and Jerry's loads of chocolate. And I, I, f- I feel my mood changes the next day. I'm, I'm, I'm like grumpier. I'm like a bit more irritable and impatient. And so for me, it's like reminding people of the foods that's going to really energize us and really give us that, that feel good, like you know, that feel good feeling. So yeah, I love this book. It's got a hundred recipes and every single recipe, which I love, has got a photo, which is quite rare in cookbooks because, you know, like normally mm. you have 60 or 70 percent of them. But everyone's got a photo. They're really wonderful. They're really, you know, it's quick food. It's, it's the same principles around, you know, speed and batch cooking and making life easier. Uh, but I do think after all the experiments I've done with recipes, this is like the best one I've got. These are the best recipes I've made. I love that everyone's that. got a photo because I'm that person in the restaurant that I don't know what to order, but I'll just look at all the food coming out to other totally people. And same. I'm like, uh, can I just have what that guy's got? Because that looks incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're so, you know, visually with food, you want to see it. So I've never made a recipe where I haven't seen the picture. Like I always go, sounds all right, but I need to see it. Whereas this mm. one, it, they, you know, my publisher's really invested in this beautiful photography and we've had an amazing food styler. So you'll look and you'll think, I want to make every single recipe in this book, which is um, something I'm really excited to share. It's coming out on the um, 17th of March. It's a challenge to work through from front to back. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, you're a lot of people's workout buddy. You know, they turn on their screens, you're there, you're the one that's inspiring them to work out. And we've seen that, you know, you run a 5K with Mo Farah, like Louis Theroux and Jamie Oliver have done your workouts. But if you had to pick one workout buddy that was going to push you, inspire you, motivate you, or just have a good time with, who would you pick? You must know this is going to be. Who's the ultimate guy? Who's the ultimate, like, just, like, hard work, dedicated, driven, trains at, like, 4 a.m.? Arnie? There he is. Not Arnie. I've actually bumped into Arnie in, in Gold's Gym in Venice, but I didn't, I was nervous. I couldn't say hi, but <laughs> no, it's, this, it's, it's The Rock, the isn't rock? it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah. is it yeah. The Rock? That's the yeah, yeah, like The Rock. He just, I love him. I mean, he's so successful and he's obviously incredible, but I do see that element of just like humbleness that he's really proud and excited of where he is and he's just so hard working. But if you got in the gym with him, you know you're going to have a good workout. Like he's going to push you. You're going to get the music on. He'll have you training hard. So yeah, I think 
like a day with a rock would be a dream. And I, I'm actually manifesting that. I, I believe that if I do the right things and head to America and get the right connections, that I will meet the rock and I'll meet Will Smith. That's two people I'd love to meet for a workout. I can I can see the video now, Joe. It's you and the rock and you're both saying, can you smell what Joe Wicks is cooking? I was going to say, were you a WWE <laughs> yeah. fan? Because growing up, like me and my brother loved like WWF and the rock. No, I think I wasn't interesting. I just thought, because I didn't believe it was real, but I, I just love him as, you know, with his movies and... You know, I love Moana and stuff like that. So I just really enjoy his um, his social media as well. Like he's got his little daughter and he's like singing songs and she doesn't realise he's he is Maui and stuff. But I love all that. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, so, so sweet. It's more his attitude though, isn't he? He's just got this sort of approach to life, isn't it? That yeah, it's about hard work like, and humbleness. That's and that's that's yeah. And I just, a, a, I just you know, like they said, never meet your heroes. I just hope that when I meet him, he is who he is, and I just hope that he's he's really lovely and he's that guy. You know, I just hope that that's mm. the person because he seems like on social media he seems like such a genuine guy, and I think yeah, he'd be like my ultimate training partner for the day. Before we uh, before we wrap up, Joe, just on the theme of celebrities, and obviously you have had this sort of exposure and fame to a whole new level over the last few years. So it just seems to keep growing and growing. Have you been in situations? Uh, you mentioned like seeing Arnie in in, in Venice uh, gym in California, <laughs> like where, where you just thought this is just completely surreal. What is what is happening? What is going on in my life? The only time I've been truly starstruck is when I was playing soccer. So I was invited to play in the charity match. You know, with the yeah, you have sort of football yeah. legends and you've got celebrities and whatnot and. I was in there and I was standing there and I was with Mo Farah and I, I felt like really relaxed around Mo because we've, we've met before and, you know, he was on my team and whatnot. And then I was standing there and Usain Bolt walked in and I just like, I just froze because wow. he's such a big <laughs> character and I, I love him so much and I just couldn't, I couldn't speak. I just didn't know how to interact with him. And so he's the only person I've ever like really, truly got like proper starstruck because I just think he's such a huge personality. But he, he was really friendly. Like he was, he was chatty and stuff, but it was just that first initiation. Like I want to, basically tell you i think you're a mate you're an incredible human being yeah. but without being over about fanboying too much yeah of course <laughs> he's a global icon yeah legend yeah. the final question i've got for you is another plot twist one which would be you know as you say we've talked about transparency on social media and what you see is what you get but if there was one thing that people would be surprised to know about you or something unexpected that people wouldn't think what do you think that would be May, I mean, maybe my choice of music, like I listen to some really far out music. Like you might think I listen to like, you know, house music and rock and roll and like heavy like stuff. But I can do a workout listening to like Etta James or like. Oh, I love it. Like, you know, just old sort of Motown music and just like slow jazz. I love like slow jazzy sort of music as well. So, yeah, I think people would expect me to be like really high tempo. But when it comes to music, I listen to slow stuff like, you know, John Mayer, um, who I love. I also love like B.B. King, like blues music, Eric yeah. Tapton, mm. that sort of stuff. So. I think maybe that's a bit random, but what else have I done? I've done something pretty fun when I was 25. I left university and I was having a midlife, no, a quarter life crisis. <laughs> and I, I packed my bike in a box and I flew to Canada with a mate. So we flew to Toronto and we cycled all the way down the West Coast, all the way to Mexico. So we sort of wow. just would sleep on park benches. We sleep under the lifeguard huts on Malibu Beach. So we were just roughing it. We had no money. We literally were just cycling, eating like, you know, subway and chips and stuff and we were just having the time of our lives it was a real adventure so that was a big kind of pivotal moment because when I did that trip I knew that when the road was up when I hit Tijuana in Mexico that I had to like go home and start something and that's when I came back and started my personal training thing so it was like a it was like a journey I was, I was just running away always running away but when the journey stopped I was running towards something more positive and I was, I was like ready to commit to like a life and a career and and that was the start of my career 25 I started as the body coach so it wasn't like I started really young. 
but all mm. of that success is it's been a 12 year journey now to, to where i am so that was the start of it but yeah that's quite random not many people know yeah that. that's really cool that's, re- that's it really must be, cool it must be quite incredible for your friends and maybe the friend that you're with that to then kind of see that progression and where you are now you know yeah we're still you know we're still best friends and i've just been on a little ski trip with a few uh, friends too went to Morzine and we're constantly like, you know, we pinch ourselves and we sort of say, is this, is this really happening? Like your life changed so much in so in the, in the years gone by. And, you know, I was always like, I was always the tight one because I didn't have money. I couldn't be generous when I was down the pub, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't buy a round of drinks, you know? So like now I'm really, the, the more success I've had, I've become my true self, which is actually really generous. And I took all my kids, kids, all my mates um, <laughs> skiing and, and they're just like, you know, thank you for, for doing this because I, you know, I love that. I love that I can, take my friends who you know they're not earning loads of money and I can take them on a ski trip and have the most wonderful memories because I've been you know I've been so fortunate so I think yeah I love that I love that I can be generous and and they're so grateful that we've you know I they still laugh when they see them on tv and they rinse me out and stuff like when I when I'm doing like Twitter <laughs> and Instagram but it's just it's just they're, they're always bantering me but yeah it's like it's mad I can't believe I've you know I've achieved what I've had and I just have to keep focused keep positive keep working towards helping others and everything will naturally grow and and, and continue I think just to finish off then, if you were doing that spider diagram now of what you want to achieve next, what would that look like? Oh, that's a good finisher. That's a good yeah, one. what are you manifesting, Joe? That's a good finisher. I think, well, I definitely see more kids. Like, I love my two kids and I, I see myself having a big family. So I'd say in five years' time, I'm going to have, like, four kids, so two more. Um, I'm going to be working, you know, still working in education and, 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 and encouraging you know, children somehow like through content or through, you know, ambassadors, like really bringing fitness to the forefront of our children's lives. Um, and then third, thirdly, I would say, you know, doing more work in the mental health space. So more documentaries, more, you know, maybe Netflix shows or an Amazon prime and really putting out content that is uplifting people's mind as well, because I think that's what people really need the, the mental health, um, you know, support. And then the last thing, you know, a few more cookbooks, not few much more, then. Some more children's books. Put and, your feet up. and I would love to have my children's books turned into a, a cartoon. So like, you know, like yeah. I've got a children's book called The Burpee Bears. I'd love to see it as an animated show on TV and then also like a theatre show with it. So like, you know, you could go and see like The Burpee Bears on tour as a stage production. So that they're kind of my goals quite a lot, but I, I do believe some of them will happen. Well, if anyone in CBeebies is listening or from the West End, uh, get in touch, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Bring it to life. Oh, Joe, we've loved chatting, loved seeing your, your journey over the last few years. And um, you know what, actually, the last few years, we've kind of seen the best and worst of humanity with everything that's been happening in the world. And everything that you've been doing, mate, has been absolutely class. So mm. more of the same, please. Thank you so much. Well, I've really enjoyed the chat. It's been very uplifting and I, I hope that my story can inspire others. And yeah, I always say, you know, if you're having a bad day, do a little bit of exercise, move your body, you know, pick up your vibe, you know, change your mindset and you can really have a much more positive day. So yeah, good luck everyone out there. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. A big, big thank you to Joe Wicks. We said a few weeks ago that John Bradley might be the nicest man in the world. I might have to go back on that. There's another contender, isn't there? There's another contender. I was was thinking when we went into the chat, you know, are we going to break him? Are we going to find a different Joe Wicks? But I actually do think after our investigative work, genuinely what you see is what you get. Yeah, I think so. 
and also where he spoke about his past and obviously the documentary coming up and everything where mm. he kind of revisits that it does make sense as to why he is how he is and it's not this sort of overly elaborate front that he's putting on I think what you see is what you get I think what's quite interesting with Joe and actually quite rare for a lot of people is he seems very very connected to how he feels his energy Mm. his mood he seems very conscious of that and he's someone who feels like he can actively process where he's at and has worked out the right tools to manage himself which really for someone who's what, in his mid-30s, that's quite amazing that he's achieved that. Not a lot of people, I don't think, are, are able to do that in the way that he does. Yeah, you've got a real sense of balance. You know, we, we spoke beforehand, didn't we, that he's speaking about sleep a lot, and that's something that he's really tried to address. But even in the interview that I thought was perhaps even more interesting than that was where he was talking about being younger and that, you know, the age of five, six, seven, actually he could work yeah. out that his own, his like by working out or by doing exercise at least at that age, that it changed his mood, it changed how he felt. I mean, that's quite, that's quite extraordinary. Yeah, someone who's clearly very, always been very in tune with their yeah. own emotions and, and yeah. what they need. Um, but also I think what was so heartwarming is he clearly does have just a very genuine want to help people. And like he talked about there, you know, the business mantra not being about profit and revenue and acquisition. It's about making a difference to people. And and when he was talking about those DMs that he receives, you could see on his face the weight of Mm. not being able to help everyone. And again, for someone who's so successful to not be driven by sort of that profit and that revenue and, and, and all of those financial benefits you can tell that there is that genuine want to change the world a bit yeah I was just amazed that he was even the attempt because I I can't I'd be guessing how many dms he gets but it must be hundreds he must be getting hundreds a day and the fact that he's even attempting to go through that and go back to people um Mm. I don't know I mean it just doesn't it just does you wouldn't expect it perhaps and it's just there's something quite lovely about that um also quite lovely didn't fart I was very pleased um Oh, really? I feel like the pickup that it got, you know, I feel like <laughs> it would have been a great opportunity for a new meme, which, you know, I'm always up for. Farcade part two on Plot Twist, that would have been quite <laughs> something. Um, I think, though, what strikes me is there's clearly no stopping him. You might look at mm. Joe Wicks and think, yeah. oh, OK, well, look at that success that he's had. Like, he's achieved so much. And yet when we ask the question, what's next? I mean, he rolled off a few things and I was like, yeah, that would be impressive. And then there was another thing and then another thing and another thing. And he's clearly very much got big ambitions, big projects in the pipeline. I feel like this is only really just the beginning. Yeah. It's also quite nice that when we spoke about manifesting, obviously loads of people seem to be talking about that at the moment. And he, he eventually got to that point and did that and did it very quickly. But when starting out when in like 2013, where he meets this plot twist person who he's still friends with today, mm. It was actually her influence that kind of then guided that. It wasn't just this sort of relentless ambition. He has had to kind of be guided and, you know, he's wanted to find that path, but, you know, somebody else helped him along the way. And I thought that was, that was quite lovely. And she was right. Joe Wicks was going to be the face. Yeah, certainly was. Certainly wow. was. What a great chat that was. What a great story. So his new book, Feel Good Food, is out on the 17th of March. And as you heard, he's, he's going to be all over the country and he's going to be doing workouts and uh, book signings. So look on his Instagram. We'll keep you updated and you can go and see Joe as well, which would be pretty awesome. So, yeah, big thank you to him again. 
Well, all that talk of exercise has just made me feel guilty that I haven't done any recently. So I feel like get an opportunity headband. to get back on the gym gear. Or he said the importance of sleep. Maybe just take a nap. Who knows? <laughs> I know what you'll be doing now. Yeah, right. one of the two. Couldn't tell you which way. Anyway, right. we'll see you next week. See you next week. Ciao.